Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Support for the Great Quad Cities Listen on WVIK comes from the Joyce and Tony Singh Family Foundation. Shannon Burnett is my sister. You know, as long as I can remember, my sister has been an artist and an activist. Gay has taught drama, poetry, and visual art to young people from the minority and underserved neighborhoods. And in her own way, she stood up for change. Joy and Gay Shannon were new to the Quad Cities when they became students at Rock Island High School in the early 1970s. It was a time of political tension and unfair treatment of African-American students persisted in schools. In 1972, all this angst resulted in a week of unrest at Rock Island High School, often referred to as the Rocky Riots. According to the Quad City Times, it all started at a Friday night football game. Police officers tried to remove an African-American student from a reserved seating area. The students and officers clashed until police ultimately retaliated with chemical sprays to subdue the crowd. Joy Shannon and Gay Shannon Burnett came to the WVIK studios to reflect on the atmosphere at Rock Island High School leading up to the riots, what it was like attending the school as young African-American women, and how the events shaped who they are today. Gay begins this conversation for the Great Quad Cities Listen by talking about how she found her place and her identity at her new school. Being the new girl had the same advantages as it did complications that you would expect high school to have. But eventually I did make friends and we all had common interests and my Interests were mostly art and drama and protest. And I know that sounds really, (laughs) really kind of uh, different, but, you know, it was the 70s and young people were always protesting. Well, you know, that's that's, that's nice. I like that. That, But it's an unusual combination, art, drama, and protest. But you're right, during the 70s, especially starting from the 60s, art was used for, for a lot of people for social reasons. So could you tell us a little more about what you mean? Well, I know it's an unusual combination, but I made friends where that were interested in visual arts and friends that were interested in drama. But for my friends that were interested in drama and for myself, if we were African American, there was no real outlet for us. Okay, so didn't Rocky have a drama club at the time? that put on school plays? Yeah, they had a drama club, but for the most part, the selections as far as the plays that they had did not really incorporate black students into them. I mean, if it was a musical, you could be included in the in the chorus, but there was never a chance to be the lead, and the stories were usually never about anything that would allow you to be casted you know, even in um, supporting roles. And when you questioned it, they said, well, we don't do black plays or white plays. We do plays for people. But the only thing that was always consistent was that 
the black students weren't really included. I agree mm-hmm. because I, I was younger um, than you, but I was still at Rocky. And I remember for a short time I was on the tennis team, myself and another African-American female student. And I believe we were the first, you know, um, uh, young black girls who had ever been on the tennis team. And we weren't treated nicely. And so I decided to get off because um, I think it was it was never said, but it was desired to have an all-white uh, female tennis team. They didn't want us there. But let me ask you this. Didn't a group of black students start Rocky's first black student union? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was actually one of the main organizers, and this is where the protest comes in, because we didn't feel that we could um, express ourselves in the same way that a lot of the majority member students could, and the outlets to uh, to have, you know, different cultural experiences at the school weren't available to us. And so we said, look, we need a black student union so we can organize and go to the administration and say, you know, this is as a student, you know, part of the student body. These are things that we'd like to address. These are the things that we feel are unfair. And these are the things that, um, that we'd like to see changed, basically. Well, we both attended Rocky during the riots of uh, 1972. Mm-hmm. Everyone experienced it differently. Um, but tell me, what do you remember? How did you see it? Well, I mean, I was not at the event that kind of, you know, started the whole thing. But in a way, it's hard to say that that one event at the football game started it. It was it was the, the catalyst that, you know, made the eruption happen. But there was such a um, dissatisfaction from black students about the way they were treated. And even now, discipline's different, <laughs> you know. I mean, dis- discipline was, um, was different in the 70s for all students, but the people that got the the worst part of the discipline were usually the black students. I mean, you know, a white student could, uh, I don't know, throw something down on the floor and not pick it up. If the dean said, pick it up, they walked away. He would get sent to detention. A black student would get um, suspended, you know, for three days. And so the harshest of the punishment normally, you know, was really um, the thing that was given to uh, to black students. And there were a lot of things that just weren't readily open you know, to black students, you know, nobody encouraged you to be part of choir or to be part of the orchestra or even the marching band, you know, a lot of that remained predominantly white for a very long time. So how did the event change you or change the community? Well, I don't really think that it changed me as much because um, having the mother that we had, we do believe that we could stand up for ourselves and actually say the things that we needed to say. But it did make me want to be a catalyst in our community for positive change. I think that's why eventually when I was an adult and moved back here, I started working in uh, programs with uh, with young people to use art and use drama and, you know, use visual media to help one, tell our history and help give them, you know, give young people a voice. And I thought that was real important because that that really what was missing 
during 1972 that black students didn't feel they had a voice to express themselves and be heard. Yeah, and I think having a voice, that's that's such a, um, a gift from God. You know, I mean, I think all people, all groups should be able to express themselves as they see themselves um, fully. So, but why do you feel that it's important for young people to have a way to tell their stories and for others to hear them? Because I know that's what you're doing with your programs, if you want to elaborate on that some. I'm the co-founder of an organization called Azimbuki, African American Council for the Arts. And the reason why we felt it was important to start that, especially here, is that as a black community, we weren't really, like, getting the advantages. I mean, there would be like different groups that would say, oh, we want to do something in the black community. And they'd write the grants and they'd structure it and they figure out how it's supposed to go. And then they bring it to you and want to see if you participated. So we did not have a seat at the table. And I mean, just visual arts, uh, visual media, and, you know, the spoken word, that is really such a uh, fundamental point in our community and in a lot of communities. And so we really felt that we needed a seat at the table to say, no, this is what we want. This is how we see ourselves. These are the programs that we would like to like to see happen in the black community. And from doing that with the art, we decided that young people could actually have a stronger voice if they understood how to use visual media. In order to document your life, tell what's going on in your life, we wanted to format that and and give them that opportunity. I think, you know, you all should be well, very proud of yourself for what you're doing in the Quad Cities. So in conclusion, what advice would you like to give any young artist out there listening or a young student at Rocky who wants to combine art, drama, and protest? And protest. Yeah. <laughs> I think that people, uh, young people need to be true to themselves, number one. Uh, you know, as far as art is concerned, explore it as much as you can. Find the things that you, you really want to do and, and do those. And protests, we always look at protests in that violent sense. And that's just not the only way you can protest. I mean, you can, like the Women's March, you know, that is a form of protest. And, but they said, well, we're not going to just be in the streets, you know, marching. We're registering women to vote. We're getting women to consider running for office and, and to really start making that change that is necessary or that you see. And I, I think young African-American kids and any young person and any young person of color, if you know that there are some things that are wrong and need to be changed, then you have to figure out how to use protests and how to use your art for protests because art is a very integral part of protests as well. So I think that they should use their talents to bring about positive change, and that's the protest that I wish all young people would participate in. Gay Shannon Burnett and her sister, Joy Shannon, for the great Quad Cities Listen. If you have a story you'd like to share, sign up for a time and place to record at greatqclisten.org. This project was made possible thanks to support from the Joyce and Tony Singh Family Foundation.